Good morning, everyone. Turn to your neighbor and say, it's a good day to be alive. Oh, man, wasn't it gorgeous yesterday? We went from like the winter to the summer again, huh? Friday was like, man, I'm back in fall, right? And yesterday, no humidity. When I was a kid, I didn't understand what that meant. As I get older now, now I know what it means, no humidity. My knees feel great, you know? Well, we've been talking about the spiritual world, and we have been looking at a series entitled Supernatural. In fact, uh, we've been talking about how the spiritual world and the physical world collide each day, and how actually what happens in the spiritual world affects our physical world. And Jesus said it this way, unless the man is born again by the Spirit, he cannot see, perceive, and understand the spiritual world. And so we've been talking about the spiritual world. We've been talking about the supernatural world. And we've been talking about, uh, in, in the recent weeks, we've been talking about spiritual warfare. Spiritual warfare. Because we've got a real enemy, and his name is Satan. And Jesus talked a lot about our enemy, and he talked a lot about how we can confront that enemy. And in, in Ephesians, Chapter 6, Paul the Apostle tells us that number one, that finally we need to be strong in God. We need to find our strength in God. And by the way, I want to tell you, Celebrate Recovery is one of the most awesome ministries I've ever seen. Uh, because it teaches people how to deal with their issues, but it also teaches them that they need to find their strength in God. And I want to encourage you to get out there and see what God is doing through Celebrate Recovery. But Paul the Apostle says, number one, find your strength in God. And we need to find our strength in God every day through prayer, through the Word of God. When I read the Word, when I read the Bible, when I pray, when I gather together with other people, I'm finding strength in God, in His way. So Paul says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Put on the full armor of God. Put on the full armor of God. So we're going to pray right now again. I know we've been doing a lot of praying. But I want you to close your eyes. Because I want to pray for you. I want everybody in this place to close your eyes. I want to pray a blessing over you. As I prayed a blessing over Nicholas today. I want to pray a blessing over you. So close your eyes. Father in the name of Jesus. I pray a blessing over every person. I pray God that you would help them to understand this sermon Lord. I pray that they would understand that they can be conquerors Lord. I thank you Lord for all that you're going to do in this place. In the name of Jesus I pray and everyone said. Jesus said to Peter, he said Satan has desired to sift you like wheat. He said but I have prayed for you. And the truth of the matter is is that I'm praying for you because I've seen too many Christians sifted like wheat. I've, I've seen too many leaders taken out. I've seen too many young people who, you know, they had a promising future. And the truth is they were sifted by the enemy. And I don't want you to be sifted by the enemy. And why is it that they get sifted by the enemy? Because they don't have their armor on. They refuse to put on the full armor of God. And Paul the Apostle tells us that we need to live like a soldier. Let me tell you something. The truth is, the church of Jesus Christ is an army. And the truth is, every Christian ought to be a soldier in God's army. And the truth is, there's too many Christians that are soft. They, they, they don't understand that God is calling them to be a soldier in His army. Every Christian has to go into strict training. Paul tells us in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7, Train yourself, discipline yourself to be godly. 
And the truth is, every one of us have to learn how to be godly in our life. We need to be disciplined. And there's too many undisciplined Christians. And as a result of that, they're getting taken out by the enemy. He said, for physical training profits little. But spiritual training and disciplines, they have profit not only in this world, but in the age to come. Paul the Apostle says in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 25, everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. He said they do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like a man running aimlessly. I do not fight like a man beating in the air. No, I beat my body and make it a slave so that afterwards, after I preach to others, I would not be an outcast. Friends, we need to learn the spiritual discipline of prayer. We need to learn the spiritual discipline of fasting. We need to learn the spiritual discipline of coming together and fellowship with one another, holding our shields together, marching together as an army. Why? Because we've got a real enemy, and he wants to take out the church. Paul is thinking about the Roman soldier. Why is he thinking about the Roman soldier? Number one, because he's speaking to the Romans. You know, he's preaching to the Romans. He's preaching to those that are in Ephesus and Corinth. And, and they understood. The Greek soldier, the Roman soldier, they understood discipline. They understood what it was to be a very disciplined soldier. In fact, the Roman soldier was the fiercest soldier that was around in those days. They were trained four long, hard months of training. They would go into training, and they would train over and over again every minute. Every second, every day, they were to be reminded that they were a soldier. And the truth is, history will bear it out that the Roman soldiers or the Roman army, they were not only the fiercest and the toughest, but they were also tough not only on their enemies, but on, on their soldiers. And when a soldier was a coward, when a soldier was in battle and that soldier turned his back and ran, when the soldier got back to camp, that soldier was completely decimated. They would take that soldier and they would put him in the middle of the other soldiers and they would spear the soldier to death. They would spit on the soldier. They would keep on stabbing the soldier until he was dead, till he was screaming dead. Why? Because they wanted to show all the other soldiers, soldiers don't turn and run. And God doesn't want you to turn and run. Don't worry, I'm not going to spear you if you turn and run. But Paul the Apostle is telling us that we need to be courageous and that we need to endure hardship like a good soldier. Turn with me, if you would, to 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1. 2 Timothy chapter 2 verse 1. And Paul again is thinking about the Roman soldier. And Paul says to the Christian, he says, Be strong, be disciplined, be brave and courageous. Be a brave soldier against the forces of darkness. And here's what he says in 2 Timothy chapter 2 verse 1. He says, Endure hardship with us like a good soldier for Christ Jesus. No one serving as a soldier gets involved in civilian affairs. He wants to please his commanding officer. And I want you to know that God wants you to be pleasing to, his, to your commanding officer, the Lord Jesus Christ. And whether you like it or not, you're in a war. You could put your head in the sand, but we are in a spiritual battle for our family. We are in a spiritual war for our marriages. We are in a spiritual war for this country. 
The truth of the matter is this country was founded on Christian principles. There was a group of Christian soldiers who came over, warriors of God, who came over and they believed in worshiping God. They believed in the infallibility of the scriptures. And, and, and they even put it on their documents, in God we trust. And I want you to know, there's a war for our our country and we need to rise up as Christians and we need to pray we need to pray we need to share the gospel and we need to say this country was founded on God and we want to keep it that way come on somebody say amen in God we still trust everybody saying God we still trust and I want to encourage everybody who's 18 and over go out and vote and vote the Bible don't vote color don't vote on party lines Vote for the person who stays the closest to the Bible. Why? Because the Bible says when a nation is godly, the whole nation prospers and it rejoices. When the nation is ungodly and goes against the word of God, the people groan. So we're in a war for our nation. We're in a war for the souls of mankind. And the devil is not playing with paintball. He is not playing with rubber bullets. He's playing for keep. And we cannot allow the devil to take advantage of us. We cannot give the enemy a foothold in our family. We cannot let the enemy get a foothold in our marriage. We can't let the enemy get a foothold in our church. You know, the Bible tells us that, that we're not to go to bed angry. It says, don't let the sun go down on your wrath, lest you give the devil a foothold. And I want you to know, there's a lot of families that are being pulled apart. Why? Because there's bitterness in the heart of the husband or the wife. There's bitterness in the family. There's bitterness in the marriage. And the Bible says, if we allow that bitterness to overtake us, we're giving the devil a foothold in our marriage. We're giving the devil a foothold in our family. We're giving the devil a foothold in our life. And I'm not about to give the devil a foothold. Why? Because I'm not aware, I'm not unaware of his devices and schemes. Paul the Apostle said, stand firm that you might be able to stand against the wiles and schemes of the enemy. He's a schemer. And what does he do? Some of his devices uh, come in the form of fiery arrows of compromise. We stand uh, maybe perhaps for something, but we don't stand all the way for that. A little leaven leavens the whole lump condemnation over our past. We talked about that last week as we talked about the breastplate of righteousness, worry and anxiety over the future, bitterness and unforgiveness, spiritual stagnation, burnout and fatigue, sexual temptation that leads to adultery, fear. One of one of the enemy's greatest weapons against the church, against you, will be fear. Why? Because he knows that he is rendered powerless when we know who we are in Christ, when we have our full armor on, greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. He's powerless when we know who we are, when we walk in the power of the Spirit. But friends, he wants us to be afraid of him. Why? Because that's all he can do is intimidate us. That's all he can do is scream and yell at us. But we have the victory. Why? Because no weapon that is formed against me will prosper. Somebody say amen. And so we understand that God has given us great, great armor or, or great weapons for our armor so that we can stand against the enemy. Here's, the devil is deceptive, and he'll do everything he can to trip us up, but the good news is we've got the full armor of God. So last week, we discovered that Paul the Apostle says, finally, be strong in the Lord, in the power of his might, put on the full armor of God. That means that we don't just put on parts of the armor, the parts that we like, but we're going to put on the full armor of God so that we can take our stand. 
The devil wants us to be thrown around in the mud, but we don't fight with the devil in the mud. We stand firm. Somebody say amen. So we discovered last week that God has given us, number one, the belt of truth. And truth holds us firmly in place. The enemy is a liar. He's a deceiver. And we have to be uh, wise in everything that we do. We've got to learn truth. The book of Proverbs says that we have to look for truth more than gold and silver. Why? Because the truth is going to cause us to live in freedom. The truth is going to set us free from fear and lies. The truth is going to keep us from being deceived and led astray. The truth is going to keep us on a firm foundation in our life. You need to be a discoverer of truth in your life. And we find that in the Word of God. Then we talked about the breastplate of righteousness. That every one of us have the righteousness of Christ. That there's no way in the world that any one of us could be good enough to get to heaven. But when Christ came to earth and died on the cross and he shed his blood for us, it was imputed upon us that we might have the righteousness of Christ. We are in Christ Jesus. And if we're in Christ Jesus, we're new creatures in Christ. Amen? And if we're in Christ Jesus, there's no condemnation for those that are found in Christ Jesus. Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm in Christ. Now this morning, we're going to look at two other pieces of the armor. And it's really important to understand that every piece has a meaning, has a purpose. And as we look at the symbolic meaning, we could apply it to our life. It doesn't do us any good unless we take up or apply the armor of God in our life. We can't have it off to the side, but we've got to apply it. So we want to look at the next piece of armor, Ephesians chapter 6. Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 6, verse 15. And he says, the next piece of the armor is that you might have your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. Have your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. Now, I want you to know shoes are very important. Everybody in this place came to church. You probably had sandals or shoes on. And you know, when you have the wrong shoes on, it hurts. You can't walk very good. You see, I bought these shoes. They're really good shoes. They're really Aren't these Guido shoes or what? Come on in. I want to tell you a story about these Guido shoes. I, I went to buy them and I liked them and they didn't have any other size but this size. And so I bought them and they were kind of like a little tight on me. And you know what the lady always says. The lady or man always says, but don't worry, it's going to stretch. So I really liked these shoes and I wanted to come to church on Sunday morning with these shoes on. And so I bought them and they were tight. But they look good. But they were tight. And after the service, I'd go home and go, oh, man, my, my feet are killing me. Why? Because I needed, I needed the right shoes on, you know. And some people, you know, they go buy shoes and they don't think about walking in them. They just think about how good they look, like my daughters. I have three daughters, two female dogs, a mother-in-law and a wife. Now you know what you can pray and fast for me about. And you talk about armor. It's on at all times. And my daughters always want to be in style, you know. So every once in a while, they'll come out of their, their room, and I'm like, gee, Jenna, you are now 10 feet tall. How did you get so tall, right? And they go out and buy a pair of shoes, and those shoes, they have heels about this long. You know what I'm talking about? Those are not heels. Those are stilts. Stilts, you know. And I, I, and I, I feel like, you sure you want to leave the house like that? You know, like they're walking down the steps, and they're like, ah, just catch me, you know. And I'm thinking to myself, God forbid, God forbid there's a fire wherever they're going. They'll never get out. 
God forbid somebody's chasing after them. They'll never make it. You know, but shoes are so critically important in our life. You know, when you have a comfortable pair of shoes, you can walk right. You can, you can run when you need to run. And so the soldiers, they needed to have the right shoes on. And so they were issued government official sandals. And these shoes were made out of one piece of cloth, one piece of leather, one. And they were actually made specifically for that soldier. And on the bottom of those sandals were hobnails. And those hobnails kept the soldier firm so that when he was fighting, so that when he was running, he would always keep his grip. He would be able, as Paul said, to stand firm. He wasn't worried about style. He was worried about being strong and firm against the enemy and not slipping and falling. And friends, I want you to know that, that, that the Bible tells us that we need to have our feet fitted with the readiness that comes from being prepared to preach the gospel. Now, Paul the Apostle says, I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation. So Paul is saying the gospel has power. He said, he said, if I understand the gospel and I preach the, the gospel, I can push the darkness back. I can drive the darkness back. He said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because the gospel is the power of God. So we've got to know what the gospel is, and then we've got to be ready to share the gospel. Because every time I share the good news, every time I share the truth of the gospel, I'm pushing back the darkness. Every time I share the gospel, not, not just share about my church. You know, oh wow, it's a great church. Come to Beth. That's not the gospel. Not just telling people God loves them. That's not the gospel. Not even telling them that Jesus loves them. Not even telling people that if they die and they don't know the Lord, they're going to go to hell. That's not the gospel. The gospel is the good news. And if you're going to have good news, you need bad news. The bad news is that we have all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That every one of us in this room have sinned. And as a result of that, we could never earn our way to heaven because we're not good enough. We're not God to get to heaven. But God, through Jesus Christ, came and died on the cross. And when he shed his blood, he married the two principles of God's justice and God's love together. And when Jesus died on the cross took our sins upon himself so that we would not have to be separated from God. So the gift of God is eternal life that comes through Jesus Christ. When we learn the gospel, and I want to encourage you to learn the gospel, when you're equipped with the gospel so that you're ready to give an account for the hope that you have within you, then when you speak the truth to people, you're pushing back the darkness. You're ready to preach. And the truth is, there's a whole lot of Christians that are not ready to preach. They don't know what the gospel is. They've not been equipped with the gospel. And they really don't care to share the Lord with other people. Friends, let me tell you, if we're going to win back this world for Jesus Christ, then we need soldiers that are willing to go out into all the world and preach the gospel. It's not about you just being in this church listening to another sermon. But it's about soldiers, warriors saying, I'm going to work and I'm going to preach the gospel. I'm going to school and I'm going to preach the gospel. Why? Because when we preach the gospel, we push back the darkness. And friends, all we need to do is not preach the gospel. Just stay in our churches and not tell anybody else about the gospel. And, and evil will overtake our country. All it takes is good men to say nothing for evil to prevail. So, so Peter tells us that we are to be prepared 
to be ready. Listen what it says. I, I want to read this to you. In Isaiah 52, 7, it says, How beautiful on the, are the mountains are the feet of those who bring good news, who proclaim peace, who bring good tidings, who proclaim salvation, who say to Zion, your God reigns. Now, Ephesians chapter 3, verse 10 says this. His intent is that now, listen, God's intent is that now, the church, through the church of Jesus Christ, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to, listen, to the rulers and authorities in heavenly realms, according to his eternal purpose, which was accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. What was he saying? He was saying that when you preach the gospel, you're proclaiming to the world, you're proclaiming to the, to the darkness, to the heavenly forces of darkness, that God is, Jesus is Lord, and that Christ has come to die for the, the sins of mankind, and that when we preach that, we push back the darkness. Now notice what he says in Luke chapter 4, verse 18. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to preach what? Good news. The gospel. To preach the good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight to the blind. So when you preach the good news, even though people might reject you, you're planting the seed of the gospel so that they can be freed from the bondage of Satan. The only way that, 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 that demons can be pushed back and the only way that the devil can be defeated is when we proclaim the good news. I love what Peter says in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15. But in your hearts, always be ready. There it is. He said, in your heart, always be ready to give the reason for the hope that you have within you. And so Paul says, have the shoes fitted on ready to preach the gospel of peace. And so when we're ready, we've got another piece of the armor on to be able to, to march forward. You see, a lot of people say that most of the armor is defensive. That's not true. All of the armor is offensive. See, every piece of the armor was given to us so that we can march forward, not backwards. So when we're preaching the gospel, we're moving forward as a church. When we're preaching the gospel, we're moving forward as the army of God. Now I want to look at the next piece of armor, and that is the shield of faith. And Paul the Apostle says, secondly, take up the shield of faith. In fact, Paul the Apostle says, most importantly, he says, above all, take on the shield of faith. Why? Because Paul the Apostle says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation to the Jew first, then to the Gentile, for the righteous shall live by what? By faith. You can't please God without faith. You can't know God without faith. You can't obey God without faith. You can't trust God without faith. And Paul the Apostle said we are to take up the shield of faith. That it's a decision that we need to make. That we need to use the faith that God has given us. And every person in this room, if you are a Christian, God has given you a measure of faith. The Bible says that we've been all given a certain measure of faith. But we have to use the faith that God has given us. And if we don't use our faith, then we're rendered powerless in our life. James the Apostle says, what good is it? If you say you have faith without taking up faith and doing something about it. So faith is an action word. It's not passive, but it's an action word. 
Faith causes you to constantly move forward in your life. And so uh, the Bible says that we overcome the world by our faith. We love God and trust God by our faith. So we've got to pick it up. It's not going to be any good to us if it's sitting on the ground. And we've got to use it. Listen to me. God has not only given us a measure of faith, but God has given us the shield of faith. Now, the Roman soldier had two types of shields that he would fight with. He would fight with one, one on hand-to-hand -hand combat, but when he was marching against the arrows of darkness, he would take another shield. So he had two shields. Step up, soldier. He would have the first shield that he would have was a small round shield. But when the soldier was marching against the stronghold, he would never march with this small shield. He would take up this large shield. This large shield was four feet by two and a half feet. And it was rounded so that the soldier would actually be protected on all sides. And when the enemy came with his fiery darts, he would be able to hold up the shield. Now here's the interesting thing. A Roman soldier was a part of a regiment. There were 4,800 soldiers in a regiment. And then they were broken down into teams of 80 and then 8. Eight men would live together in a tent. Eight men would watch each other's back. 27 of them would come together and form a tank, a human tank, where they would take these shields. And each one of them would have one of these shields. And they would have their sword. And they would always have their sword actually in their left hand. And what they would do is hold the shield with their right hand. And with their left hand, they would march together in unison, actually form a human tank. And when they were marching against a stronghold, they would take their sword out and they would use their sword actually as daggers and they would keep on moving forward. When the arrows began to fly against them, they would take, some of them would take their shields and put it over their head while the guys would take their shields and keep marching forward. They were impenetrable. It was powerful. Why does Paul the Apostle tell us to take up the shield of faith? Well, we got to find out what is the shield of faith. Number one, listen to me, listen to me. The shield of faith is completely trusting in God when you go through a difficult time in your life. Paul gives us the very reason to use the shield of faith. The shield of faith is trusting in what God has promised in the face of fiery darts of the enemy. The shield of faith is leaning on God's ability when we're too weak or outnumbered by our enemy. The shield of faith, listen to me, is trusting in the character of God's heart when we don't understand God's hand. It is trusting the character of God's heart when we don't understand His hand. When we don't understand why He gives us something we don't want. When we don't understand why He takes away something we don't want Him to take away from us. So the shield of faith is believing no matter what the devil throws at us, God is going to come through. Ultimately, he's going to give us the victory. The shield of faith is the very weapon we use against the enemy. Listen to me. When we are going through hard times in our life. The shield of faith is what we use in the forces of battles and temptations in our life. The shield of faith keeps us shielded from the fiery darts of the enemy. Now listen to me. Peter calls temptation 
a trial of our faith. James says, consider it pure joy when you encounter all kinds of trials of your faith. Amen? There's a reason for it. So that we can get strong in character and perseverance, right? Now, now Paul says that there's going to be fiery darts that are going to come at us. The enemy is going to fire fiery darts at us. And we need to take up our shield to extinguish every fiery dart of the enemy. Now, in those days, they would take arrows. And they would actually take the tip of the arrow. And they would put cloth on the tip of the arrow. And then they would dip the arrow in pitch. And they would light the arrow on fire. And then they would, they would assault their enemies with fiery darts. And the arrow would come and try to pierce them or hit them. And so he needed a shield that was large enough to protect every part of his body. So Paul says, take up the shield of faith so that you might be able to extinguish the fiery darts of the enemy. What are the fiery darts of the enemy? Well, let's apply it to the Christian's life today. Let's see how it works. Well, you see, the enemy has several different darts that he works with. Several different arrows that he thrusts at us. Let me, let me give you an example. Okay, we get sick. We get sick in our body. The doctor tells us that we've got cancer. And the enemy will come and he'll put a thought in our mind. Remember, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down every imagination that exalts itself above the knowledge of God. Here's where truth comes in. And so we know the truth. When we know the truth, we're able to stand firm. When we know the truth, we're able to stand firm against the lies and schemes of the enemy. Why? Because that's all he has is lies and schemes. And so we get sick. Doctor calls us up and says, you've got cancer. And the moment that happens, the enemy starts to throw his darts, these flaming darts at us. And he tries to pierce our heart to say, you know what? This time, you're going to die. This time, you're not going to make it. This time, I have to tell you. It's confusing to you, and I have to tell you, if God really loved you, why would he allow you to go through that in your life? If God really had a plan for you, why would he allow you to be sick in your life? And at that moment, when the, the fiery darts begin to be hurled at you, you've got to be able to lift up your shield against the fiery darts of the enemy. And you've got to say, devil, you're a liar. By his stripes, I have been made whole. Glory to God. This too shall pass. All things work together for the good for those who love God and are called according to his purpose. Nothing shall separate me from the love of God, which is found in Christ Jesus. When you pull up your shield and you're trusting in the Lord, I don't understand, God, why you're letting this happen, but I know that you love me. Then you extinguish the fiery darts of the enemy. Come on, somebody say amen. And so now you're facing a problem in your life. You lost your job. Unemployment's running. And the devil will throw a fiery dart at you. And he'll say, God doesn't love you. He doesn't care about you. God doesn't have a plan for your life. You're a loser. You're just lazy, whatever. And when he says that, you've got to be able to lift up the shield and say, no, God has a plan life. I know the purposes that God has for my life. Plans to give me a future. Plan to give me a hope. Plan to prosper me. I know the word of God and I'm taking up the shield and God, I know this one thing. No matter what happens, I've never seen God forsake me. Glory to God. I've been young and I've been old, but I've never seen the righteous begging for bread. Glory to God. Hallelujah.
You have a problem in your relationship with your wife or your husband. And the devil tells you it's not worth it. Throw in the towel. Look for somebody else. You know, it's, your marriage is never going to make it. It's a failure. Or you have an argument with your husband or your wife and the devil tells you, you've got the right to stay angry and bitter. Why don't you just go to bed and just be angry and bitter? No, but you say no. The Bible says that I'm the trust God. That God put us together. That we're one flesh. And what God has joined together, let no man put us on. And when we do that, we lift up our shield. And we say, God, I don't know how you're going to restore my marriage. But I know this one thing. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Glory to God. You see, you lift up the shield of faith. And you say, I will not put up with the lies of the enemy. I will not even entertain the lies of the enemy. And we'll talk about that next week a little bit more. How the sword of the Spirit destroys the lies of the enemy. But arrows, remember, they are fiery darts of the enemy. And the arrows of Satan that he throws at us are always wrapped up, listen to me, with lies about God, with thoughts that will confuse you, with suggestions that will arouse fear and accusations that cause you to doubt and unbelief and be in unbelief. And so these arrows act like missiles that would splatter on impact and spread burning fire for several feet. And Paul tells us, don't even let the fire begin in your spirit. Don't even let the fire of doubt, don't ever let the fire of temptation begin in your spirit, but raise up the shield of faith and say, God, I believe you, God. Lord, I believe you. So how do these, how does, how does this work practically in your life? Let's get practical for a moment. You know, this sounds good and you can preach it up real good, but, but how, does it, how does it become practical in our life? How does the shield of faith really protect us from the arrows of the enemy. Well, number one, the shield of faith protects us when we're going through difficult times in our life and we have whys. Why, God? It protects us. The shield of faith protects us from the whys of life. You remember Job. Job was a righteous man. The Bible says that there was no man like Job on the face of this earth. He was so righteous. He did the right thing. Thing. Job did the right thing. And there was a philosophy and the theology of that day that when you did the right thing, you were always blessed by God. When you did the wrong thing, you were cursed. And you would suffer great tribulation and trials. And now here is a righteous man. Job is a righteous man. There was nothing wrong with Job's life. The Bible says Job was the most righteous man. And now Job loses his transportation. He loses his children. He loses his livelihood. He loses his home. He loses his reputation. And he loses his health. Now just about that time, the enemy comes with fiery darts. They were called Job's comforters. And Job's comforters come and say, Job, it must have been because you were a sinner. Get right with God. Repent. You see, so often we want to give a person a reason for their suffering. Sometimes there is no reason. And we've got to trust God. Sometimes we'll never see that reason until we get to heaven. Maybe you lost somebody that you love in your life and you can't find the reason for it. And you've got to keep on trusting the Lord. There are things that happen in our life. Look at me. There are things that happen in our life that we don't have an answer on this side of heaven. But notice... What Job did, he took up, listen to me, the shield of faith. Listen to me, Christian. If you don't have your armor on, if you don't have your shield of faith, 
you're going to be open game for the enemy. You don't know when the enemy is going to attack. You don't know when there's going to be a time in your life when something's going to happen and you can't understand why it happened in your life. And it's, it's not time for you to try to put on your shield or put on the armor when the devil's got an arrow right there ready to pierce your soul. You got to have it on before the attack comes. Come on, somebody. You've got to have it on before the attack comes. And so Job is attacked, but he had a shield of faith. And what does his wife say? Job's wife says, you're a fool for serving God. He doesn't love you. He doesn't care about you. Look at this. Look, Job, he took everything away from him. Curse God and die. And notice what Job says. Job has his wife as a firing arrow in his heart. But Job lifts up the shield of faith and he says this. He says, naked I have come into this world. Naked I will leave this world. The Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. And yet I would say, blessed be the name of the Lord. Job stood up and began to praise the Lord. He took up a shield of faith and said, let me tell you woman, you talk like a fool. God has always been good to me. And if God wants to take something away, he'll give me something better. He lifted up the shield of faith. He said, but one thing I will do no matter what happens in my life I will say blessed be the name of the Lord the Lord give it and the Lord take it away I'm trusting God I'm standing firm and I'm believing that I don't know why things happen in my life but I'm gonna trust God no matter what glory to God hallelujah <laughs> lift up the shield of faith I say lift up the shield of faith and say, God, I don't know why, but you're a good God and nothing shall separate me from the love of God, which is found in Christ Jesus. Soldier, lift up the shield of faith and say, blessed be the Lord. Blessed be the Lord. No matter what I go through in my life, blessed be the Lord. Glory to God. The shield of faith protects you not only from the why, but from the how. Listen to me. The shield of faith protects you from the how. The fiery dart of the devil who tells you, how are you going to get yourself out of this mess this time? How are you going to pay bills this time? How is, gonna, how is God going to save your wife or your husband this time? How is it going to happen? The hows. Oh boy, I tell you, the hows can drive you crazy. I don't know about you, but I need to know how at times in my life. God says, no, just trust. You see, if, if, listen to me. If you're going to raise up the shield of faith, then you've got to be willing to obey God even when you don't understand how he's going to do it. God said to Abraham, Abraham, leave your father and your mother and your country and I'll make you a great nation. Abraham didn't know how, but he had to obey. You see, when you obey God even when you don't understand, when you're willing to obey God, this is what God's word says. God, I don't understand how you're going to restore my marriage. But your word says that divorce is a sin and I won't do it. I'll trust you with all my heart, God. I won't lean on my own understanding, but every time I'll just keep on walking straight ahead, walking straight ahead, walking straight ahead, trusting and believing in you, God. God, your word says that I should give a tenth of everything that I have. I don't even have enough money to eat today, but God, I'm going to honor you and give you my first fruit. So God, I don't know how, God, but you're going to make it happen. That's faith. It's acting in obedience. Listen to me. God is telling some of you to stop trying to figure it out. 
but just start to walk in obedience to God even when you don't understand. Abraham is walking up the mountain and God said, I want you to take your firstborn and I want you to sacrifice your firstborn. Crazy, crazy. And he's walking up the mountain. He's saying, I hope I heard from God. And the devil comes and wants to throw a fiery dart at him. And his son looks up at him and said, but where is the lamb? And Abraham says, son, I don't know where the lamb is. I don't know how God's going to do it. But I know God's going to provide a lamb. Glory to God. Hallelujah. <laughs> Young David, he comes to the battle line. And I'm going to close in about an hour. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Young David, he comes to the battle line. And he sees this incredibly large man called Goliath. And Goliath would stand in the midst of two armies, the Philistines and the Israelites. And Goliath would taunt the armies of God. He would say, God is not big enough. Your God cannot deliver you. And all of the soldiers in the Israelite army would run back and retreat. And David comes to the line because David's father told him, hey, hey David, go bring your brothers a bowl of pasta fazul and see how they're doing. And so he comes and he hears this giant taunting and taunting the armies of the living God. And this young boy, he says, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? And David said, let me at him. And David's brother said, you're just a little boy. How in, the, how in the world are you going to overcome and defeat this giant? And Saul finds out about it. Saul brings his armor and says, okay, David, here, use my armor. David puts it on, says, too heavy, not my armor. I can't use it. And David picks up, listen to me, David picks up five stones and a slingshot. Now, I want to tell you why he picked up those five stones. Listen to me. This is, a, th this is a very deep theological principle. You ready? He picked up the five smooth stones because he was from the Bronx, and when you take out one brother, you got to take them all out. <laughs> and Goliath is standing with his sword, with his helmet and his shield, and he is daunting. He would fill fear in the hearts of any man. And he stands before David and he says, Am I a dog that you should send out this little boy to fight against me? Am I a dog that you would send this little puny little boy? And before Goliath could even know, David begins to run. Listen to me, Christian. You don't retreat. You don't back up. You keep on going against the enemy. Hallelujah. You do it in prayer. You do it in intercession. You keep on marching forward. Glory to God. And before Goliath could even think, David said, you come with me with swords and spears, but I come in the name of the Lord my God. And today, I'm going to take your head. Hallelujah. Because I come in the name of the Lord. I don't know how it's going to happen to life but when I take that stone that little tiny stone compared to that big helmet and that armor he said I don't know how it's going to happen but when I sling that stone by the time it gets to your head God's going to empower that stone and you're a dead man glory to God I don't know how it's going to happen but I know it will happen see that's the that's the shield of faith you don't have to know how you don't have to know why you just have to know God's promises are true. And he'll finish the work that he began in you. Come on, pray with me today. Hallelujah. Bow your heads right now and pray with me. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, pray with me right now.
pray in the Spirit. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. 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 We take up the shield of faith, Christian warrior, by refusing to retreat when the enemy starts to advance against us. We take up the shield of faith by being obedient to God. Let me ask you a question this morning. What is God telling you to do that you're not acting in obedience about? What are you backing away from this morning, going deeper in God? What are you backing away from this morning, going deeper in ministry? Being committed to something that God has called you to be committed to you? Trusting in God and launching out? Christian soldier, take up your shield of faith and act in obedience to what God has told you to do. I know you don't understand everything, but if you obey God, He'll make a way where there is no way. I know you don't understand anything. I know you don't understand why God's allowing you to go through this. But if you trust in God with all your heart and you don't lean on your own understanding, but in all your ways you acknowledge Him, He'll make your path straight. I know you don't understand everything that's going on in your life today, but if you act on what God has already told you to do, He will provide. He is Jehovah Jireh. He is your provider. So take up your shield of faith by choosing, listen to me, by choosing to see beyond the present battle. Let me say that again. With your heads bowed, your eyes closed. You're, you're going to take up the shield of faith by choosing to see beyond your present battle. Peter said this. With your eyes closed, listen to this. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In His great mercy, He has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. Kept in heaven for you, who through faith, who through faith, everybody say faith, who through faith you are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is already being revealed in this last time. In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief of all kinds of trials. Peter said, these have come so that your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by the fire, may be proven genuine, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. What a setting. The, the setting was a severe trial. And Peter says, though you have not seen him, though you don't understand how you're going to get through this, verse number 8, he says, though you have not seen him, this is the, the truth, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe. And your belief becomes a shield of faith to shield you against the fiery darts of the enemy. You believe in him. And you are filled with inexpressible, glorious joy. Even though you're going through a trial right now, there's a joy down deep in your soul because you have relinquished control of your life and you're turning over total control to God because you're believing, you're leaning not on your own understanding, you're believing in a God who loves you and nothing shall separate you from that love. And so instead of pouting and asking, why me? 
instead of surrendering to pity, instead of retreating and running from the battle, instead of quitting, you declare, blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Because this present suffering cannot be compared to the future glory that will be revealed in us. That God will finish the great work that He has begun in you. Listen to me. The shield of faith doesn't deny or confess reality of pain away. It just says, even though I'm in pain, even though I'm suffering, I know that God has a reason. And I know that God will finish the work that He began in us. Abraham did not waver in unbelief regarding the promise and character of God but he was strengthened by the shield of faith and gave glory to God being fully persuaded that God had the power to do what he promised us so soldier soldier take up your shield of faith and never put it down keep marching forward because by faith every fiery dart of the enemy will be extinguished he has launched the arrows of doubt and unbelief the arrows of temptation and fear and discouragement but soldier I call you today to take up your shield and never put it down blessed be the name of the Lord blessed be the name of the Lord every blessing that you pour down I'll turn it back to praise and when the darkness tries to overshadow the light I will say blessed be the name of the Lord though there's no food in the cupboards though there's no fruit on the trees yet I will praise the Lord and say blessed be the name of the Lord hallelujah every blessing Pour out our turn back to praise. Come on, let's stand and worship Him. When the darkness closes in, Lord, still I will say, Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be your name. Blessed be the name of Blessed be your glorious name. Oh, blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be your name. Oh, blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be your glorious name. While every head is bowed and every eye is closed in this place, you say to me, Pastor Steve, I'm not certain that if I died today, I'd go to heaven. And I need Jesus Christ to forgive me of my sins. Friends, the gospel will change and set you free. The gospel will give you the keys to eternal life. And the gospel is that you can't ever be good enough. You can't do enough religious acts to get you to heaven. If you could, Jesus was a fool for dying on the cross. But Jesus died on the cross that you might have eternal life. And all you have to do is accept the free gift of eternal life ask him to forgive you of your sins recognize that your sinfulness has separated you from God but God has given you a way and the way he gave you was his son dying on the cross it's simple but profound 
And all you need to do is recognize your sinfulness, realize that you need a Savior, and receive Christ as your Savior. You say to me, Pastor, I don't know if I die today, I'd go to heaven. I need Jesus to save me of my sins, forgive me of my sins, and come into my life. I want you to raise your hands right now. Anybody in this place, I want to pray for you. If that's you, God bless you, God bless you. You say, Pastor, pray for me. Raise your hand right now. Yes, I see that hand. Yes, I see that hand in the balcony. Anybody in the balcony, you say, Pastor, I need to get right with God today. I need, I need a Savior. I need a Savior. Hey, friends, let me, let me tell you, look at me. I told you before, Christians are not cowards. Christians don't walk backwards. They walk forward. And so if you want God in your life, I, I don't play games, okay? I say it like it is because we live in a world that says it like it is. And it's time that we stand up and we, we love God with all our heart. And we say, Jesus is Lord. If you raise your hand today, I want you to be a, a courageous person. I want you to get out of your seat and come meet me right here. And say, I need Jesus in my life. If you raise your hand, come meet me right here. Come on. Get out of your seat right now. Come. Come. If you want Jesus to come into your life, you raise your hand. Come and meet me right here at the front of the altar. Come on. Anybody? You want to come? Anybody? So many hands were raised. Amen. You say, I need Jesus. I want Jesus to come into my life. Get out of your seat and come meet me. Are you courageous enough? Are you courageous enough? See, we don't play games here. We, we, we don't tell you, well, we'll have a suggestion. You could do this. No, you need Jesus. You know, the Bible says, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. I want you to turn to your neighbor right now. I want you to ask him, if you die today, do you know for certain you'd go to heaven? If they say, I don't know, grab them by the hand and say, I will come with you and we'll give our lives to Jesus. We're going to go together as warriors. We're going to go together. Anybody? Come on, turn around. Turn to your neighbor right now and then come out of your seat. Anybody need to come? You come. Anybody needs to come? You come. Anybody else? Hallelujah. 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 It just takes a moment. It just takes the first person. It just takes the first person. I, I, I know it's like, I know you're not used to this. I know you're not used to this. I know you're used to churches that kind of give you a 10-minute sermon and give you suggestions on how you can love God and, and then send you off. We, we don't do that. We, we, we call people to be disciples of Christ. We, we call people to make a commitment to serve the Lord. We call people to recognize that by his stripes, we were saved. And so I want, I, I want to applaud these incredibly courageous people right now. Just, just go ahead and do that right now. Amen. Amen. I want to pray for you. I want to take a moment. I want to take a moment. Everybody else, extend your hand. And anybody else have to come, you come right now. Anybody else needs to come, you come right now. There's some workers, and they're going to come in a moment. They're going to give you information. But before we do that, I, I asked you specifically to get out of your seat because I want to pray for you right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray right now, God, that you would bless these that came forward, God. Father, I ask you, oh God, that they would know that you love them and you have a plan for their life. I pray for the power of your Holy Spirit to work in their lives right now. God, I pray that you bless them. These, oh God, that have gone through trials and temptations and difficulties and fires, I ask today, God, that they would know that their name is being written in heaven, God, today. And God, that you're going to give them a righteousness that does not come from their own works, God, but a righteousness that comes from the imputed love 
and finished work of the cross through Jesus Christ. Bless them today, God. Use them for the glory of your kingdom. Thank you that they are, God, courageous men and women of God that stood out. If they can't do it in the church, how are they going to do it in the world, God? And you gave them the courage to do it. And we thank you for that in the name of Jesus, I pray. And everyone said... All the workers, go ahead and grab somebody and get them the information they need. Look at me, everyone. Look at me, everyone. How many of you in this room with an upstretched hand, you would say, I have been hit, I've been hit by a fiery dart of the enemy. Let me see your hands. You said, man, man, I took down my shield and I got hit by a fiery dart. I got hit with fear. I got hit with depression. I got hit with temptation. I got hit with doubt and unbelief. Let me see your hands. Let me see your hands. Okay. How many of you are ready to pull that arrow out of your heart? Okay. Listen to me. Listen to me. There's an arrow in your heart. It's not too late to pull it out of your heart right now. And say, devil, no more. I'm not playing with you no more. I'm going to take up my shield of faith every day. And I'm going to believe God. And even if this hurts really bad, I'm going to pull it out. And God's going to heal my heart. Are you ready? Are you ready? Raise your hands right now. I want you to say with me, Lord Jesus, thank you that you gave me the shield of faith. I will use it proficiently. I will never drop it. I will never leave it home. I will put it on by trusting in you when I don't understand. I will put it on by obeying you when I don't know how. I will put it on by knowing that in the end, even though it's painful now, I will be a victor. I pull that arrow out. Heal my heart. Heal my unbelief. Heal my fear. I give it to you. Thank you, Lord, for the victory. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Now, this is what, listen, look at me, look at me. Now, this is what Job did. Look, listen to me in the balcony. This is what Job did. Job said, Lord, I don't understand why or how, but I'm raising the shield of faith. You know what faith is? Do you know what praise is? Praise is the ultimate act of faith. Praise is saying, God, I love you, and I praise you even though I'm going through the trial. I am trusting you no matter what happens. The Lord giveth, and the Lord taketh. But I will bless the Lord. So I want you to sing this solemnly to the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And as we leave, I want you to say, listen to me, no matter what comes my way, God, I will trust you, and I will serve you. No matter what happens, I will continue to praise you. Put on the armor, the armor of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Come on, sing with me. Every blessing you raise your hands. Out, turn back to praise. I'll always turn it back to praise. When the darkness closes in, Lord, still I will say. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be your name. We're gonna praise you no matter Blessed what. Blessed be the name We're gonna praise of you, God. the Lord. We're gonna praise you, God. Blessed be your glory. 
take away. You give and take away. You give and take away. My heart. My heart will choose to say. Lord, blessed be your name. You give and take. You give and take away. You give and take away. My heart will choose to say. Lord, blessed be your name. Blessed be. Every blessing you pour out, I'll turn back to praise. When the darkness closes in, Lord, still I will say, Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be your name. Yeah, God, come on, raise your hands. Your glorious name. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be your name. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be your glorious name. And now, may the Lord bless you. And may the Lord keep you. May the Lord be a strong tower for you. May the Lord be your shield and your buckler. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you. And may the Lord be gracious. May you know that there's no weapon that the enemy can thrust against you that will prosper. May you know that you're the head and not the tail. May you know that God will finish the work that he had begun in you. And may you go and stand firm in the power of our Lord. In the name of Jesus, I pray. And everyone said, Amen. come on, give the Lord a clap offering. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. God bless you. Have a great day in Jesus. Every blessing. Every blessing